Hey guys, Dean with the Two Party Podcast. I just wanted to share uh, one of the platforms we use uh, for our podcast. Uh, it's called Anchor. Uh, it is a free platform. They have creation tools that allow you to record, edit uh, your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Um, Anchor will distribute your podcast on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, uh, most, most all the platforms that you want to reach, you can, you can reach through Anchor. So I encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, again, it's free and it's called Anchor. Have a great day. This is Dean with the Two Party Podcast. I am on here with Denise Redeker, and she is the founder and CEO of Heartfelt Health Foundation. And she's just got an amazing story um, that I think she should that she should be able to share with our audience. But as well, um, she she has been been through a heart transplant as well. So um, I want Denise to go ahead and tell her story um, for our audience, uh, to catch them up on where we're at. And we've just been having a good discussion. And, and I just thought this was a great time to bring this to the audience. So Denise, tell us about yourself and you have the floor. Well, Hey Dean, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It is awesome to be able to share both my story and now my mission. Um, and, uh, my name's Denise, um, and I have had heart failure or heart disease for most of my life. Um, it wasn't until December of 2017, though, until I got the biggest wake-up call, which was a doctor told me that medically there was nothing more they could do for me, and that without a heart transplant that I would have a year or two left to live. And that news is something even if you've heard the words and i heard the words before heart transplant mm -hmm. but you know when you hear them and it's still off in the future you still think oh that's going to happen to somebody else that's not going right. to happen to me and so you you kind of push it to the back of your brain and you don't really process it until it becomes the if then yeah. conversation if you don't then you die mm -hmm. and that was a lot to take in, but I didn't have a whole lot of time to process that because within a couple of weeks after that conversation, I ended up in the hospital and um, my heart was failing and I was told that I wasn't going to leave until I got a transplant. Right. Um, I so was almost, super lucky. almost had no choice in the decision at that point. Your body said enough's enough enough's enough we're we're done and um you are just gonna have to move along mm -hmm. towards this transplant so we settled into the hospital at that point that was right after the first of the year in 2018 and i didn't know at that point if i was gonna be there for a day or a month or a year um yeah. and because there's a whole lot that goes into matching a donor yeah. to a recipient that's more than just blood type it's body mm -hmm. size it's antibody level it's it's all the location of the donor it's all the things yeah so you just don't know until you know yeah and um i was one of the lucky ones i had a about a three week wait in the hospital um on january 29th a surgeon walked into my room and said, we have an offer. And I said, I don't know what you mean. Right. <laughs> I don't have money for it. <laughs> I thought he was trying to sell me a house at first because I didn't know what the word <laughs> offer meant. Um, 
And he was, he is an amazing surgeon. Um, one of my favorite humans to this day. Yeah. Um, but um, he said, he said, I think we've got your heart. Pretty sure we do. And uh, he said, but it's a high risk heart. And so you've got a decision to make about whether or not you're going to take it. We chose to take it. And I went into surgery the next day. And the next day after that, I came out of surgery <laughs> um, and started the complicated, really complicated recovery yeah. process. In any um, organ, and any organ transplant, my mom was in medical for years. Uh, I've been around medical my whole life, and I have tons of friends that have, have been through some pretty traumatic issues. Um, but any transplant of any kind is super complicated. It's, it's very complicated, and mine was a little more complicated because I actually ended up with three open heart surgeries in the span of a week. Wow. I had the initial transplant, and then I had some internal bleeding they had to go back in and fix. And then a week later, I had some more internal bleeding that they had to go back in and fix. Um, and then I had both types of rejection and an infection. Mm. And so I didn't actually get to go home from the hospital till April. And then the recovery began, and um, slowly but surely, we started taking baby steps towards recovery and um, starting to get back to doing the things that made me feel like me. Mm -hmm. And um, about a year ago now, almost exactly a year ago now, I was back into my doctor's appointment for just a regular checkup. I was back at my clinic for to see the team and the social worker at the clinic was retiring and I happened to be there on her very last day. And so I walked in um, to her office. Oh, before I tell that story, I'm going to rewind a little bit and say that as I recovered, I just knew that I wanted to give back and um, so I am almost immediately, as soon as I could get out and about and do some things, I started volunteering for our local OPO, which is an organ procurement organization, which yeah. is the organization that actually facilitates um, identifying organ donor families and matching them with recipients. Okay. Um, and started doing that. And I still volunteer for them to this day mm -hmm. and love it. They do God's work. They are amazing people. Um, I just finished two days of talking to high school students about organ donation. It was fantastic. Those kids ask the best questions. Mm -hmm. um, and next week, I'm going to do two more days at another high school. Um, I, I yeah, love talking there to really those couldn't kids. Be enough, there really couldn't be enough awareness, especially for the youth and especially for ones that at a young age, they may not even be, be knowing that at some point they may be going through this. Well, it, well, not only that, but there's so many misconceptions. Um, thank you, Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> um, about organ donation. And it gives me an opportunity to say, you know, that show you saw on Netflix, that's not what yeah, really happens. Not accurate. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you know that because there was a show that was super popular on Netflix a while ago that, uh, that is now not on there anymore, largely because the uh, transplant community lobbied so hard against it. Right. Um, but there's, there are misconceptions out there and the ability to be able to dispel some of them and talk about truth and say, this is what really happens. Look at me, um, is an honor and a privilege. And 
man, those kids are smart and they are, they're just great. Um, so anyway, that is one of my favorite things I still do for Donor Network West, which is our local organ procurement right. organization where I live in Northern California. And so they handle not just your area, but they handle around the nation, correct? No, they handle, uh, or there just are about out there. 11 OPOs across the time. Okay. I am probably wrong about that number, but it feels like the right number, but so I, there's, I'm probably there's wrong. multiple of them around the country. Right. Okay. Um, there are three or four in the state of California alone. Okay. Um, and everybody's got their own local OPO that okay. works with, um, with their local hospitals. Okay. Um, so, but they are, but the, the, uh, easiest way to, if you want to register to be an organ donor, the easiest way is to, if you have an Apple phone, you can go right on your phone and on your health devices, you can register, or you can go to registerme.org and register online. Yeah. Um, which is my PSA for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I know I, when I lived in Florida, I, I was an organ donor. And I think when I moved here, they asked the same thing when you get your driver's license. And I believe that I am here as well. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, you are somebody's hero at some point in your life. Um, and uh, so moving on, I still felt like I wanted to give back to the community in a more specific way, but I didn't know what that way was until last year when I went in to say goodbye to my social worker who was retiring and thank her for all the help that she had given me and happened in, her door was open, so I didn't barge in. Um, <laughs> and, and I happened into her office as they were talking about a patient that was currently in hospital that wasn't gonna be able to afford their post-transplant housing and what they were brainstorming ideas. And I kind of popped my head in and chatty person that I am was like, well, how can I help? Right, what can, can we help? do? Yeah. Let's do something. Let's yeah. figure this out. And, and so with about two weeks notice and in the aftermath of one of the worst fires that our area has had in a very long time, right. um, I hosted a fundraiser in my backyard. I called all my friends and family and I just said, hey, this is what we're doing. We're gonna raise money so that this guy doesn't have to, or woman, I didn't know HIPAA yeah. laws, I don't know. Yeah. Um, doesn't have to pay for their post-transplant housing. Yeah, we have does, got to doesn't have to stress problem. and worry about that on top of what they're already going through. Focus should be on recovery, not yeah. how you're gonna finance stuff. And mm -hmm. so, that little backyard fundraiser, and truly, trust me, it was little, um, raised $12,000. Right. And we were able to pay for that person's post-transplant housing, plus have a little leftover for the next one. Yeah. Um, and that one was done through my health insurance company's nonprofit arm. Very cool. And so I that that is when the light bulb went on in my head, and I thought, this is something I can do. Do. This is a problem. This is, this is where you're gap. needed. Yeah, that's this where is, you're needed. This is a gap I can fill. Yep. And so we applied to get right to, right around the first of the year, we applied to get our own 501c3 um, from the federal government and applied to get state tax exempt, exemption from the state of California. And then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, we're 
the government's going to have bigger fish to fry than right. you know processing a, a a small a small single person's mm -hmm. nonprofit application. Yep. And so I figured we wouldn't see the yeah it would be put approved. on the back burner. Yeah, exactly. I I figured that that would not happen. Miracle of miracles, we got it back in June of this year, which was that amazing was, to me. Yeah, prayers answered. Prayers answered. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just kind of threw it up and left it in God's hands and said, yep. this is, I think this is what you're calling me to do. So yeah. here you go. And so then we put uh, the application in for the state tax exemption, because of course you can't do them simultaneously. Yeah. Um, so, so we got that back um, mid-summer and kind of hit the ground running and started um, making some setting up social media accounts setting up websites building websites um, creating contacts with the local bay area hospitals right. um, and and setting a solid foundation to build something on mm -hmm. and uh we just launched a our first kind of major fundraising campaign, which um, we had a local artist. We partnered with a local artist here who is super talented and a great photographer as well. And she created this labyrinth heart design, mm -hmm. which speaks so much to me about not only the organization, but the transplant journey of this following this through this labyrinth um, to get to the heart of the matter. It, yeah. uh, it speaks of faith. It speaks of, of the process. Um, it speaks of the adventure of transplant. It says so much to me. It is so precious. And um, I am so grateful that we have something super unique and super cool looking. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, and we've got it on t-shirts and hats and they are our gift to you uh, with a donation. And yeah. that has been pretty successful. We've seen people, uh, we've had people donate from all over the country right now. Um, I just sent a shirt and hat off to Maryland mm -hmm. and um, which is great to see that this issue resonates right. with so many people across the country because when you have a heart transplant or really any solid organ transplant, your focus should be 100% on recovery and your well-being. Yeah. And your well-being and your family and and not even 1%. Yeah. On it, it, it amazes me with with not just this, but with really any major health issue you have. Um, you know, and, and, and that could be depression, that could be suicide, that could be just mental issues, that could be um, just as even something as simple as breaking an arm or be, getting paralyzed in an accident, uh, which I'm familiar with, I've been paralyzed from the waist down. Um, there's just so many things that, that bottles you up, you, you literally feel like you're just in an enclosed space. Um, and you don't realize that there's communities and networks and other people going through the same thing, because in that moment, you're, you're absorbed into what you're going through. Um, and of course, like I said, in 2001, I broke, I, I used to race, I, I, I got an accident on an ATV, broke my back or broke my neck, um, was paralyzed from the waist down, it took two years to learn to walk again. They said I never would. Um, I was diagnosed in, in 09 with both valves failing in my heart. So I've been through that. Um, luckily, I, at this time, I'm, I'm still eating right, doing everything right, and I'm still cleared by my doctor. So I have not had to have the open heart, whereas in 2009, they initially were going to do it. 
Um, and, I, and I almost didn't have a choice, but I, I wasn't living good then. I wasn't taking good care of myself. Um, a lot of things change, but, but I know what it's like to be in that moment where you're, you're, you're so focused and so worried about your health and so worried about what's, what's the future hold for me? Am I just going to die or, you know, and you get in this dark, gloomy depression and, and some people just, they get in that and they, they just don't see that there's help. They don't see that there's people like you and organizations that you guys have where in, in, this, in the case of a heart transplant or organ transplant, they don't realize that there's an organization out there that can help them. All they think about or all they hear about is insurance and I have to have money insurance mm-hmm. money. How am I paying my bills? I need to have, my insurance has to cover the medical, but I have to pay my bills. Um, I got to keep my kids going to school. And there's just so many variables um, that just get displaced in the midst of all this. Um, so, so again, yeah, it is great that you're able to, in California and, and with your story and your organization, you're able to, like you said, reach somebody in Maryland, reach somebody here in Tulsa um, and, and spread the awareness that, hey, guys, you're not alone. And, and if you need the help, we, we can help set up resources in your area and we'll, we will try our best to reach out to you. Um, and, and, and I think that's just an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, I think we need more of it in this nation for, for all things. Um, but, but on this front, for sure, this is um, with, with heart, especially um, organ transplants in general. I mean, kidney, we know, uh, liver, those are more successful type things. Heart is a lot more crucial and critical. Um, and, I, and I do know that it's, it's just one of those things where it is super expensive. Um, and for people that don't have insurance and they're facing this uphill battle, I, I, it's, it's ungodly to even think about, you know, what they can do or what they, you know, unless they just happen to be financially stable and, and set. Um, if you don't have insurance for something like this, most places are going to turn you down. Exactly. And, um, and there are so many, like I said, there are so many qualifiers already to getting a heart transplant. You, you know, you have to have low antibodies, you have to be in good health. Otherwise, everything else has to be functioning. There's a lot of pressure on you already. And then post-transplant, you're trying to figure out, um, I was on upwards of 30 medications a day yeah. uh, at the they, beginning. They, they told me and, with my valves, I would be on a lot afterwards. And I was like, no, I don't, because I'm just so anti-medicine. And I'm like, I don't want to be on pills the rest of my life. Yeah, and, well... That is my world. (laughs) Well, you have to, yeah, of course you have to be, you know, blood thinners and different things they said I'd be on. And I was like, you know, I get it. I I just don't, I want to wait. And I did, and and I'm glad I did, but you know, there's always that day that one of my vows could fail again. Yeah. And, and we, we just don't know what the future holds, but for a heart transplant recipient, there is just Mm. so much that they are focused on. And then they need to be focused on, you know, they're focused on their family. They're, you know, they're worried about how their family's coping with this, as well as how they're Mm -hmm. coping with this, how they're dealing with all the medications, which have a slew of side effects. And, and to try and get them to a point where that we can take at least one thing away from them that they don't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it can just feel like literally like a, like a physical pressure on the top mm-hmm. of your head. Um, and if we can take one thing away and be there to support them, um, right now we're only servicing the Bay Area mm-hmm. uh, of, of Northern California, but the hope is that if we can grow, we can expand past that and mm-hmm. slowly build a foundation so that we can service the areas that are in need. Yeah, um, for sure. You'll be able to network, hopefully be able to network in the future, near future, that, that you'll be able to reach out to other organizations, maybe in other states where you guys can partner up. 
Yes, and, and we already have, there's a, a similar organization to mine in Southern California, and she sent me a client, and I'm about ready to send her one that's being transferred down to Southern California. Um, and so we already are partnered together, and, and we try and cooperate. This is not a competition. This is not no, about it's me. It's about saving lives at the end of the exactly. day. Exactly. It's yeah. about helping people. It's not about me. It's not about getting my face on anything. Mm -hmm. um, it's about helping people who are going through um, one of the most traumatic things that you can go through. Well, I think it's important, uh, you know, you say it's not about getting your face on it, but at the end of the day, I think it's important to put your face on it because you're a survivor, um, you, you've made it through this. And so your, your face being on it is your story to tell and your story to share with somebody who's going through it at the moment and being able to tell them, look, I'm here standing before you and this is where you'll be. This, yeah. is, this is this is what you can look forward to. You can live, you can live, you can get through this and things are gonna be okay. That's one of the reasons that when I tell my story that I talk about how many complications I had because I don't want to scare people that are pre-transplant and say that's going to happen to you. Yeah. But I also you want don't to want say, them to get their hopes hey, up all, either. Yeah, all that can happen to you, and you can be in a much better space. Yep. Yeah, you could have a complete successful surgery with no complications, or here's what can happen that I've been through, um, and just yeah. to, to and prepare them for it. There. Yeah. And, and so what uh, is, how is the life now that you've had the transplant, you're, you've been through it, you're, you're working with this foundation and setting things up in place for others. How do you feel now? I mean, after the transplant, um, I, I, how, how, are you still going through some physical therapy? Are there things you still have to go through? Or are you at a point now where you're, you're fully functioning now? I am. Well, I will always be a patient. I right. will always be, I will always be a patient. I will always be medically fragile mm -hmm. um, and immunosuppressed. Yep. Uh, that being said, I try not to live my life in fear at all and, um, and live every day to the absolute fullest. I am, um, I just got back from a week in one of my favorite places and we walked right around 10 miles every single day and hiked and which is my favorite thing to do yeah I love to hike and, and that's super encouraging i mean it really is for for and for you to be able to share that with with, with other patients i mean i think that's an amazing story and uh, yeah and so i can do i can do pretty much whatever i want to at this point um within yeah reason, you know your you know course. your limitations i know my limitations yeah. but i also know that it does not take much to throw that off. Um, literally, uh, right eh, within about the first year of transplant, I, I touched the exterior of a raw egg and I got salmonella. I right. touched a shell. Because you're super susceptible to that. Because I'm very susceptible. Yep. Um, so I take a lot of precautions. Mm -hmm. um, and and I am very careful about my exposure to other people. And with the, um, with the pandemic going on, I mean, same thing, you and many others that are super susceptible to anything, they've got to be extra cautious about everything. We are, we are extra cautious. It is, uh, although I, I laugh now because... Uh, you know, people are talking about having to wear masks out everywhere. And mm -hmm. I just think, well, welcome to my world. Welcome right. to my club. This is, this is. I already prepared for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I, I, the isolation thing, I'm ready. Been there, yeah. done that. Yeah. Um, 
So, so, so your lifestyle, I mean, because before, like you said, you, you were having these issues and you're rushed to the hospital. So obviously your lifestyle there was very unhealthy at that point where, where your heart was failing. And then, so now you're just at a point where your lifestyle has finally come back together where everything's cohesive again. Yeah, it is possible. You can get, you can get through a heart transplant. You can succeed through a heart transplant. Um, you can go back to a great life. Um, there are a couple so of recipients. There are several couple of recipients I know who are in med school right now, or they are already graduated. One's actually a doctor. Um, and so you can, you can go back and do pretty much whatever you want to, as long as you're smart about it and yeah. can do whatever you want. And this is, this is kind of what I want to do is I want to make a difference and create something that lasts beyond me because these are my bonus years. Mm -hmm. um, hearts, new hearts don't last. Yeah. Statistically a huge long time. So these are my bonus years and I want to, I want to live them well. Yeah. And, and that, and I think, I think you are, and I think this foundation sets a, a a precedent for where we need to be, um, you know, not just in this, in this with, with heart transplants, but in everything in life, I think, I think we've come to a point in society where, where we, we kind of forget about others sometimes. And we kind of forget that there's, there's people that really need help and that kindness doesn't cost a penny. Um, and, and with organizations like Heartfelt Help Foundation and, and many of the other ones that are out there that are doing good, uh, I think it's just important for us to encourage uh, through through those things. It's important for us to encourage other people to just in our daily walk to find ways to look at themselves and say, what am I doing today that's helping? What am I leaving behind that somebody can remember me for doing? Yes. And I think I think that's the whole theory behind a random act of kindness that you yes. that you just remember that that we shouldn't be we shouldn't be more reliant on the system, the government, whatever, mm -hmm. to come in and fix everything. When we have a built-in community of people that are our neighbors, that are our community, that are our family, that can equally step in. And I'm not saying that the government shouldn't come in and solve problems. Mm -hmm. They obviously need to. Yeah. Um, but equally or partially, we need to have a, a community-based system where we can look to our neighbors and we can yeah. look to our friends and we can say, how can I help you today? Well, I think a prime example is what you just explained is, is about, you know, uh, walking into your social worker's office and you hearing about another patient that's needing help and you guys just throw in a fundraiser. Um, and, and again, the, the reaction you get from a fundraiser is a lot quicker than what we get from our government. So, so knowing that we can, you know, you may not have insurance, so you rely on your government. Hey, I, I need a heart transplant. I need to, I need to get this insurance. But you might wait for months or even years to, to really get like disability or, or get yourself in a place where the government's going to help you. Whereas you guys just did one simple act and did a fundraiser, and next thing you know, this person had help that quick. Yeah. And I and think it's, it's all... important that we realize that foundations like yours and others do that work so so much quicker sometimes than what we can get done with our local governments. And it's all you know, it's all very complicated, and it's a much mm -hmm. more nuanced conversation than we have time yeah. to delve into. Uh, here, but but everybody can play a role is basically the bottom line is that everybody can play a role. Um, mm -hmm. The government plays a role or we all have a role to play in supporting our community and supporting our fellow humans. Um, we're all in this together. 
Yeah. And we, none of us get promised tomorrow, no matter if we're heart transplant recipients or a 20 year old healthy person walking down the street. Yeah. Um, and, and the best we can do for each other is to be there for each other. Yeah. And, I, think, I think life is too short for us to not be there for each other. Um, exactly. Kind of where I'm at these days in life. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of self-reflection, a lot of self-help stuff that I look into and um, just ways that I'm always trying to improve myself. And, and I think one of those ways is always, always reflecting on the fact that um, not in a gloomy way, but, but life is short. And, and, and in 45 years uh, that I've been in existence, what have I done? And, 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 I've, and I, I know that I've wasted some years. So now it's, it's kind of like, I, now I want to do more. I want to give more. <laughs> and, and so I try every day to find ways to make habits that, that increase my potential to affect other people in good ways. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, some days, I, you know, I may be having a hard day and someone else does it for me. And, and mm -hmm. I think if we just encourage others to do such, such acts and just continue to remember that, uh, again, there's people out there that, that need heart transplants. I mean, it's something as simple as donating five bucks. Um, the, the little bit goes a long way uh, for, yes. these, for these people uh, and for other people that, that may, you know, other foundations that are doing good things. Um, and, and a lot of times I tell people it doesn't always take money. And, and sometimes like in your case, in, in your area, it doesn't like you can organize a fundraiser or even have assistance with your foundation uh, via volunteers. And, mm -hmm. and something as simple as that could help a patient. Exactly. Um, and, you know, and donations are great. Yeah, we we could use the financial support right now, especially in COVID times. Mm -hmm. It's just it's fundraising is a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. But um, that being said, improving the algorithm um, by just simply following and sharing and liking the Instagram or Facebook posts um, that gets us seen more by mm. more people. That is a huge help because that increases how many eyes see yeah. the foundation and see what we're doing. And potentially people who actually need our help will see those posts then. Um, so even that is super helpful and we would appreciate that. It would be, it would be great. For sure. Where can we tell the audience where we can find, um, first off, where we can find you on social media and, and your website. Um, and then also tell us where they can look to get some of these shirts and hats. Because I, I, I noticed your post on Instagram earlier and uh, about the girl who had made these posts, these shirts or the design. And it's, it's an absolute amazing design. They're super cool looking shirts. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about your social. Tell us where we can get some of this stuff where we can donate. Well, our social media on both Facebook and Instagram is Heartfelt Help Foundation. That's a lot. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, so we, and we will post all these links as well. It's uh, so so. Just search at Heartfelt Help Foundation on both on both Facebook and Instagram. We're there, um, and our website is HeartfeltHelpFoundation.com. Okay. And you can find the link wherever you find us first. There's a link tree and it has a link to donate. And if you just click on that donate button up there, it'll take you right to the shirts and you can see them all um, and see the hats and see the shirts. They're pretty fun. I yeah. really like them. Yeah, they're super cool. I, I saw when you posted it earlier and then I saw that the young girl that designed them and I thought that's, it's really unique to be able to, to work with your community and, and, and tap into, like you said, I mean, you speak with different different younger kids and stuff, and it, it's nice to be able to tap into their talents 
and bring them into this and bring and, and engage them in a way where they they not only get to learn the real the, the awareness and, and some of the things that they need to know that's the truths of it, but then they get to actually be a part of it and, and watch that grow. And I think that's really cool that you guys have this girl who's designed this and you're able to promote her art through it. She is so talented. We are we are so lucky to be a part of her world um, and have her be a part of ours. Yeah, um, she is. She is fantastic. And so are the rest of the people. As you look through the postings, the young my my uh, young friends that that did the modeling for us are just amazing humans that are just we're just lucky to have them be a part of our world. That's great. Well, we're going to get off here uh, again, heartfelthelpfoundation.com uh, yeah. and, and the same name for Instagram, all the social medias, they can find you. Um, I encourage yeah. the audience to go ahead, check it out. Don't, you know, if you, if you need to get a shirt, a hat, donate, if you, if you just really don't even need to get a shirt and a hat, you just want to donate to the organization and foundation do that because what that does is, is you're potentially helping to give life or, or keep somebody healthy in their post-surgery and so it's very, it's very helpful, even five bucks, 10 bucks, a dollar, any donation amount is really going to set somebody up to not have to be worried about things that they don't need to worry about in recovery. Um, and I think that's huge and important what Denise is doing here. And, and I think it's, it's important that we continue to share this. So I, again, I encourage the audience not just to check out the foundation and I encourage you to donate, but I'm also gonna encourage you guys to share uh, spread the word, spread the awareness about this. Um, you never know when it could be somebody you know or somebody you love that could be affected by this. Absolutely. And uh, and you're right. Um, even, even if a shirt or a hat is not in your budget, that's great. Um, $5, $10 would mm -hmm. be great. Um, a Starbucks cup of coffee worth yep. of a fancy Starbucks cup of coffee mm -hmm. <laughs> um, worth of donation would be amazing. And you can be somebody's hero yeah. um, and, and really be a, be a life changer, be a world changer um, mm -hmm. for somebody else. Yeah. Well, I appreciate having you on here, Denise, and we'll, we'll have you on in the future. Um, we I always try to get these short, short, um, episodes, but I like to always invite guests back in the future for a little longer, deeper conversation, uh, where we can dive into more, more of like the logistics of really what's going on and, 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 and how you guys are able to integrate in your community and, and make this work. So I look forward to having you in the future. Great. I would love that. All right. You have a great day. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one. Thanks.